Pastor Xavier Reese explains why good works aren't good enough on today's Simple Truths. How we can trust in our own flesh and think that we've got it together because of experience or because we have been Christians for so long or because we perhaps are used in the church and we're an elder or we're a teacher or we're a preacher. It doesn't make any difference. The past is good only to know that God has worked and that He wants to work. But I must be constantly dependent upon Him. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. At its core, the good news of the gospel is that there just isn't anything we can say or do to earn the favor of the Holy God, other than repent from our sinfulness and receive His free gift of eternal life. And coming up, Pastor Xavier turns to a familiar passage from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, to illustrate some important reasons why the fulfillment of Jesus coming to earth was our assurance of victory over sin. Let's listen. Mark, chapter 1, verse 9 through 15. Mark says, It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered to him. Now after John was put in prison... Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Have you ever known someone who seemingly had all the comforts of life and left them all to go to some obscure and hostile country because he said God told him to? And yet, this is exactly the picture that Mark gives to us of Jesus Christ. How he left heaven to come to this world. He willingly left heaven to come to this earth, this world which is hostile, and he came to serve. What an awesome picture Mark gives to us. Mark, in these verses from verse 9 to 15 provides for us certain reasons for Jesus coming to the world. The first thing we see is that Jesus came to be identified with sinful man in verses 9 through 11. We see him coming from Nazareth of Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. The baptism of John was a baptism of repentance that identified one with the forgiveness of sins to come. Not the actual forgiveness. The baptism in itself was not giving forgiveness of sins. That's important. It was an identification. And that's what baptism is. When you go out in the water, you're identifying with Jesus Christ, the life of Christ, the gospel of Christ. And you're saying you're being one with him. You're in agreement with the gospel. You see, the baptism, as it says there by John in verse 4, was looking forward 
to the forgiveness of sins. And yet Jesus comes and he doesn't have any sin. He's God. Then why was he being baptized? Because he was being identified with sinful man. He was saying, I do identify that man is sinful and he needs forgiveness. And I identify that I'm the one that's going to take that sin. But I look forward to that forgiveness. For the scriptures declare that God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Even John said, behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world in John 1.29. And so Jesus came to identify himself with sinful man. Now as you are water baptized. Your water baptism should always follow your new birth in Christ. The water is an identification, even as 1 Peter 3, 19 through 21 tells us, that it is a type, even as a type of the Noah flood. Noah and eight of his family total were saved. That he was saved is the evidence that he believed the message. That you are water baptized is the evidence you believe the message. Noah wasn't saved because he was in the boat directly. Noah was saved because he believed the message and got in the boat. You're not saved because you've been water baptized, but you've been water baptized because you have been saved. There's a vast difference. And so we need to understand what water baptism is to us as Christians. But Mark also tells us that Jesus came to defeat Satan as a man in verses 12 and 13. And immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. Notice there in verse 12 that Jesus was driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you and I are born unto testing. Jesus was driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, because the first Adam had failed back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3. And because he failed, death and sin passed to all men, Romans 5.12 tells us. So Jesus came as the last Adam to declare and to prove that the first Adam didn't have to fail. As we look at the first Adam in Genesis, we see that God put him in the garden and he gave him certain requirements, certain conditions, certain rules. God accompanied those rules and conditions by the ability to fulfill them. God never asked of you or myself anything, but first he gives us the means by which to fulfill it. If not, God would be unjust and unfair. And as Jesus came as the last Adam... He came to declare and to show that the first Adam had the potential and the capacity not to fail, but he blew it. But secondly and most important that now the last Adam, Jesus Christ, would confront Satan, the enemy, and he would not fail. In the same state, in the same position as the first Adam identical 
And yet, as we look at all four Gospels, Luke tells us that Jesus was praying before his baptism. That's his first weapon. Then he went in the water, he came up, and the Holy Spirit of God descended upon him. That's a second weapon. And the other Gospels tells us that he withstood the enemy with the Word of God. There's a third weapon. Prayer, the filling of the Spirit, and the Word of God. When I understand that Jesus went through every testing as I am, and that he overcame the enemy as a man by prayer, the Spirit of God, and the Word of God, then that means that I can do the very same thing in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, you either stand in the first Adam, fallen, then you're separated from God. But if you stand in the last Adam, and make sure that it's the last Adam, not the second, because then there would be room for a third, fourth, fifth, sixth. He is the last Adam. He's the one who has destroyed the works of the enemy. He's the one who has redeemed us. He's the one that has showed us the way. He's the one that has given us the weapons to be victorious. More than conquerors, Paul says to the Romans. Having defeated Satan, the angels ministered unto him, verse 13 says. Matthew 4:11 says that after Satan departed from him, the angels ministered unto him. Is it any surprise? He became man to serve man. And yet Hebrews 1.14 says that angels are ministering spirit unto the heirs of salvation. How are you doing in defeating the enemy in your life? Are you making use of the weapons that God has made possible for you? Are you praying? Are you Reading and studying the word? Are you constantly asking God to fill you with his spirit? It's not one of the three. It's not two of the three. But it's all three. Jesus is our example. Anything short of that will not do. And yet, we have these weapons that are access. And yet how we can trust in our own flesh and think that we've got it together because of experience or because we have been Christians for so long or because we perhaps are used in the church and we're an elder or we're a teacher or we're a preacher. It doesn't make any difference. Seniority does not count with God. You know, it's like going out to the ocean. You may be a real good swimmer. But you might hit an undertow. And you might drown this time you go out swimming. All your successes in swimming in the past are going to avail you nothing when you're drowning. It would make no sense to say, well, this can't happen to me. I've swam this all the time. The sea would not listen to you. It would not apologize to you. It would take you under. And the same with your life. The past is good only to know that God has worked and that he wants to work. But I must be constantly dependent upon him. To defeat the enemy in my own life. The three areas that he came to Jesus with. 
was not till after he had tested him for 40 days. The testing of the first Adam was in a garden of paradise with tamed animals. Mark alone tells us that the testing of Jesus was in the wilderness with wild animals. The first Adam went through his test in a created paradise that God created for him. The last Adam went through the test in the corrupt and depraved world that the first Adam had created through his fall. And yet he was victorious. But lastly, Mark tells us in verses 14 through 15 that Jesus came to preach the good news of God. Now after John had been put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Some manuscripts have the gospel of God. And saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. The word gospel means good news. It was used as of, of announcements of arrival of royalty or of, of things that were positive, good news. The Bible writers embrace this term to speak and identify of the gospel. Good news. Good news that God had reached man. Good news that God had answered the prayer of Isaiah 64.1 where he said, Oh, that God would rent the heavens and come down. Good news. God rent the heavens and came down. Good news. God identified himself with sinful man. Good news. God would become sin for man. Good news. God defeated the enemy. Good news. God had come to call sinners unto repentance. Good news. The message of good news was of God and his kingdom, not of human proclamation. It wasn't tied to a religious system that man had cultivated or developed. It was good news directly from the throne of God. Out of this world, foreign. As a matter of fact, kind of silly and foolish to the natural mind. Paul says to the Corinthians that to the natural mind, the gospel is foolishness. That man can be saved and forgiven by believing in a man who died in the place of others and believing that he's God. And yet that's exactly what God chose. It's a message directly tied to God and the kingdom of God. The message includes the time of fulfillment. The word time there in verse 15 is the word in the Greek which means quality or seasonal. It isn't the word chronos which means chronological time, but it's the word kairos which means a quality or seasonal or opportune or a specific time. In other words, all that the prophets had prophesied had now come to be fulfilled regarding the arrival of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. This is the good news. The time is fulfilled. Paul the Apostle says in Galatians 4, 4, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth the Son, made of a woman under the law. Fullness of time. Paul said to the Romans, what the law could not do through the weakness of flesh, 
God sent forth His Son and condemned sin in the flesh, the fullness of time. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 says that God at different times and in different parts of the Scripture spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. But in this last day or these last days, He has spoken unto us by His dear Son the ultimate revelation, the message of the Son. He has revealed the Father. And so it marks a very specific time in God's prophetic calendar as the fulfillment of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. That's the message of the gospel. God has reached man. God has died for man. Secondly, he says, the kingdom is at hand. Literally, draws near. Another aspect of the message of the good news is that the kingdom of God is now present. There's a twofold aspect to the kingdom. The kingdom is now present in the hearts of men and women who have bowed their knee to Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God speaks of God's rule in the heart of people who have repented and accepted Christ. So in a way, the kingdom of God is present now in the midst of us and in each of us. It speaks of God's rule in my life. It is the Spirit of God, the Word of God that rules over my life and not my own discretion, not my own opinions. But I have bowed my knee to Jesus Christ and I recognize that He's Lord and I'm the servant. And He calls all the shots. But in a way here, it also speaks of the kingdom which is still future. The kingdom is now present, but the kingdom is still yet to come. The church is not the kingdom. The church will never establish the kingdom through social action or political conquest. Jesus Christ himself will establish the kingdom as he returns to the earth with his saints. And he destroys the Antichrist and all the armies of the world who are gathered in the valley of Megiddo. Trying to stop him from establishing the kingdom for a thousand years. Any idea or endeavor that the church is the kingdom or will establish the kingdom is silly. Jesus Christ will establish the kingdom. And so the kingdom of God has penetrated to the kingdom of darkness. And it's constantly moving forward. Getting closer. The word draws nigh. And one day it will be established and set upon the earth here for a thousand years. But Jesus will establish it. Not we, the church. Anybody who teaches you that the church will establish the kingdom has not read his Bible. Jesus will do that. And so then we will see every knee bowed. Everything put under his feet. But as of yet, we don't see everything put under his feet. But yet, in the church, that should be the one mark and characteristic that we put everything under his feet. And we say, what would you have your servant to do, Lord? Do you want me involved in this, Lord? Should I be going here? Should I buy this? Should I say that? What should I do, Lord? You're the Lord. I'm the servant. That's evidence that I really am living in the kingdom principles and kingdom reality. Now, the condition of the message is twofold. He says, repent and believe. Believe in the gospel. Mark alone gives us that detail. Mark is a detail man. He adds all these little descriptive things. The word repentance means a change of mind. Not a change of mind because of consequences. 
but a change of mind because the person sees themselves separated from God because of sin, and they change their mind about sin, what it does to their life, and what it does to their relationship with God. And so he makes a turnabout and walks towards God and turns away from sin. That's what repentance is here in the Greek. There's another word that is translated repentance, but it's the word remorse. Now, there's a lot of people, and each of us have remorse about things in our life, and we hated the consequences. But it didn't mean that we repented because we saw that as sinful. Any attempt to repent on the basis of consequences and not on the basis of seeing sin for what it is, is futile. Notice that repentance leads us to the righteousness of Jesus Christ, to trust His righteousness instead of our own. Repentance never produces righteousness. Repentance always leads me to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Even if I wanted to repent on my own, it cannot produce righteousness within me only as I repent and trust in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the title of Jesus Christ during the millennial reign, the kingdom age, is the Lord to sit canoe, the Lord our righteousness. We'll always know why we're there. <laughs> There'll be no mistake. Nobody will say, well, you know, I had a church of 6,000. No. We're all going to look at Jesus and say, yep, that's why we're here. The Lord to sit canoe. Because of his righteousness. And the word believe means that it will be evidence in your life. If truly the kingdom of God has embraced you and you have embraced the kingdom of God then that repentance will be manifested by a belief and trust and total commitment to the words of God to live your life and practice. Not some of your life, but all of your life. Not the times when it's convenient, but even when it's inconvenient. Not only when it appears that you will be applauded for being righteous, but even when you will be persecuted for being righteous. It's an absolute call. But sometimes we think that's asking too much of people. I'm not asking you to do it. God requires you to do it. And when we have that perspective, what a difference it is. I don't know about you, but I'm sure glad Jesus came to this world <laughs> to identify himself with me, a sinful man. To defeat Satan as a man so that I can have confidence knowing that I can also be victorious. And to preach the good news of God. And that now I can carry that message. The prophets finished with the message of repentance, Malachi. John the Baptist broke the 400-year silence with the message, repent. He got thrown in the can. Jesus picked up the message, repent. Jesus is no longer here. He's in heaven. We have to pick up the message, repent. Nothing else will do. Not little sermonettes for Christianettes. Not nice little programs for nice little clothed pretty people. But the solid, consistent teaching of the Word of God. That the Spirit of God may rent hearts and be transformed by the power of God.
nothing else will do. Pastor Xavier Reese pointing out how repentance leads to the one and only entrance into the narrow road. Simple truths he draws from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Now, just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truth study titled, Why Did Jesus Come?, are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply, Why Did Jesus Come?, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com